0: Thank you so much for joining the playroom today, Jenna. Yes, thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. It's, I'm thinking about, you know, how we met and how we're still continuing to add value to the community. I, I'm so excited for people to know more about you. So you being here on the podcast and also thank you so much for allowing me to be on your podcast as well. It was, it was such a beautiful experience. I learned so much from you and I was able to add value and I really appreciated the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I loved having you, uh, you know, a lot of my people that I usually have are local. So mm-hmm. it's nice to now be able to expand beyond just my local community and especially to talk about Pinterest, which I think is a great topic. And it's something that it's funny because I've been on Pinterest longer than Instagram. But yet you know, there's all these new platforms that I'm spending more time on. So it's really nice to go back to the platform that I feel like I started on, which is great.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. I feel like being on a platform that actually offers value is such a good thing because now you're giving people an incentive to actually connect with you and stay, stay, stay connected because social media can be such a hard thing. If you actually think about it.
1: It is. I mean, the, I, I always say like, you know, people always think it's an easy job. Like, I think that's a somewhat of a stereotype is because all, all you have to do is post a picture, but I'm like, there's so much to it that people don't understand if they don't do It's like, you know, just because you post something doesn't mean it's going to do well. or right. It's going to bring you any leads or it's going to do anything. And it's a lot of psychology, design, copywriting, um, strategy, like, you know, sales funnels. Like that's all the stuff that I geek out on. And it's stuff that I didn't realize I had such a passion for when I first started in marketing. I, I just loved to do it in videos. And over the years, I've learned all the other sides of marketing that I just love just as much. And so my whole, uh, you know, content plan has shifted shifted. over the years because I've realized the power of so many different tools now that are available that weren't available when I first started in 2014.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely. I I believe that too. When you think about creating value and being consistent, that's really about social media. Cause back in the day, social media used to be, Oh, I'm eating some eggs and pancakes. You know, can you come and see what I'm looking at? But now it's like, I got to think about my copy. I have to think about is the lighting good. I have to think about is a caption or call to action necessary. So some people don't even think about this basic thing. So as, as a content creator and as someone who's coaching clients, you know, and, and teaching them through online programs and classes, how do you tell them that it's okay to start somewhere?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. And I think you're right. Like I always say that bad content is worse than no content sometimes, right? Because it's like, you're putting stuff out, but it's like people are inundated with ads. People are inundated with content nowadays that you need to be able to stand out. Otherwise people might be turned away from your brand. So it's like, I think some people are scared to say anything, but as long as you have like some sort of goal behind it or some sort of uh, reason for that post to exist, then post it. And I think it is a trial and error kind of thing. I'm still trial and erroring it after five years, you know? Like every time I post something, if it's new, I don't know how well it's gonna do. You yeah. can't tell in advance, you can kind of guess, but you can't always, you know, know what what's gonna happen unless you obviously like pay for an ad, which can kind of get you more exact results that you need. But if it's organic, <laughs> you have no idea what's gonna take off and what's not. This is so true on Pinterest. This is true on TikTok. This is true on Instagram. Sometimes it's just guessing. And I think that, you know, the more different things that you try, you'll kind of start to see patterns. So my biggest recommendation for anyone that's starting out is like, try some different things. See what people sort of gravitate to and then do more of that. And that's kind of how I've learned that on my largest account, which is my Twin Cities Collective Instagram, people love quotes. People love quotes from me and then i was talking last week with a friend of mine who she has a personal account and people love photos of her so it depends on the account you know what type of content is going to do better than something else so i think it's all about playing around it's all about trying new things and some people just aren't willing to do that and they just stick to what they know and i don't think it helps them at all
0: i think there's also a problem with imposter syndrome don't you think so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah well, I think it's it's confidence too. It's it's more of like, oh, I'm afraid to say what I wanna say and a, a fear of judgment, you know? So it's like figuring out, okay, sometimes you have to just put on the marketing hat and be like, this isn't about me, this is about my business. If you're, again, if you're doing social media for business, like you just, there's sometimes you just have to promote something. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're like, it's it's like, oh, I don't wanna be salesy, but at the same time, it's like you're using social media hopefully to promote something and you shouldn't have to apologize for that you shouldn't have to apologize for trying to make your business grow and I think at least especially for women I think it's harder to just be like here's me (laughs) we're kind of told to be quiet and not you know make noise and I think social media allows us to be a little bit louder and I think that it's taken women especially a lot of women like years and years to become comfortable even doing that so i do think there is that imposter syndrome i think that there's a lack of confidence and i think it's just about mindset right it's about figuring out okay well what do i have to give but then also what do i have to ask people for because Mm. if you just give everything away for free which i did for the first couple years of my business i just did everything for free like i just didn't like i didn't value myself and i I knew that i had value but i didn't think others would pay for it right i thought and I think is a concept in the operation world that people expect things for free too. But at the same time, it's like, well, we need to get paid at some point. Right. <laughs> so now like I, I don't ever do a workshop for free. I was just talking with a coaching client of mine and she's doing all these free classes as a lead gen. And I'm like, no, you should be charging. Even if it's 10, $15, you have spent the time making that content. You can do another way to get lead gen, but like if you're actually doing like really long workshops, I don't see why those should be free because then th- I think it's all about building the confidence to be able to sell whatever you are an expert at. And I think that's something that our creator society is still learning and figuring
0: out. That's a strong point you mentioned, because now that you're talking about workshops, I have a workshop today with the Pinterest and SEO marketing club on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And the members signed up as early as Monday and I didn't do any ads. I didn't want to run anything because I don't want to be that person that's being on the sales. He said, I really want to help people but I want them to genuinely do that. So you just mentioned pricing. And for me, workshops, I've never really charged for a workshop, not have, I'm not even done a workshop. I mean, I have as a webinar, but I've not done it the way I'm about to do it now. And which is, I think is a better model structure for me because I can give more of my time to more people at the same time so that I can actually save time and do things for other people at my own time. So, When you mentioned payments, now I'm doing this for free and it's my first one, but I know at Mm -hmm. some point I'm going to monetize it because it's going to get more specific and more in depth. So how do you scale from free and when do you know when to switch?
1: It's so funny because when I did my first workshop, which was in person, which was in 2018, I believe, yeah, it was January, 2018. I, I, I knew I started, I said, I'm never going to start with free, but that's just me. I just said, so I charged $10 and it sold out in 24 hours. So like I had been building my name up. I had been building, um, who I was and that for like a year and a half before that. So it's not like I started like a business and I'm like, I'm going to charge right away. I obviously had to build up my credibility. But I like, I don't know why, but I was just like, if I start free, people are gonna always expect it to be free. That was my thought is like, I know there's value here. And I know that like, eventually I wanna make this like a business, which is selling content, really selling information. I mean, if you think about like online courses, like none of those are free, you know? So it's like, why should my live class be free too? And I know that a lot of people do them to develop leads. That's why I do webinars because I have a free webinar but it's pre-recorded and I can have it available for six months. So my recommendation to you is have a free class that you have available and just have it available always. And that way people can still get the free content. They'll learn more about you, they'll see one video, but you don't have to spend the time to do these classes live, right? So that's what I've learned is that I have this opportunity to send them to my free class. They can see if they like me as a speaker, <laughs> if they like me as a teacher, it gets them onto my email list. And then I promote my my live classes that I charge $40 for. So they're $40 a class. And I usually get about, you know, 20 to 30 people that sign up for them. So it's like, I'm making money. I'm actually, you know, putting a lot of effort, you know, spending hours making these slideshows and yeah. making these presentations. And I'm like, I think that that should be something that you are paid for. Because if you're doing all this work for free, obviously a lot of them are used for like, obviously, you know, to promote coaching and stuff, but I'm like, I still don't understand why people like, especially for me, I've been doing this for three years. Like I, if I did all of that workshops I've done in the past for free, I would be, you know, broke, you know? So it's like, I think at some point, and for me, I do them a lot. I do them like once a month. So for me, I, I'm doing like a, a full length workshop for a lot of things. So I don't know. It's like, and that's the thing is like, there's this, there's this concept of, free versus paid and I did a whole episode of my podcast about that because I think there is some people just don't ever want to pay for anything. That's just some people. There's a lot of free YouTube content. But it's like people sometimes if they pay for it, it's a it's a psychology thing, right? That they're like I paid for this, so I'm actually gonna pay attention to it. And so if you go on YouTube you can tune out after two minutes. You're like, oh this is just a free video, it's always there. But I think what I've learned is people want to be able to ask questions. They want to be able to, you know, reach out to you afterwards. So, I don't know. That's just my idea of, like, why you should pay or why you should charge for things. And that's just that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people differ in that, but that's just what I found helps me the most.
0: You're really making me rethink my my practice right now. Because <laughs> I've really thought about workshops and I'm like, yeah, people want to get this information. But you, you make a lot of sense when you say people pay and pay attention and let me put it like this the people pay attention to what they pay for
1: yeah they do and I I have on-demand classes as well so I have like courses I mean I call them classes but it's because they're short they're you know my classes that I sell are under two hours And some of the courses out there take you 10 to 15 hours to finish. And you know what? There's a statistic that's like 38% of people, I don't know if that's the right number, like finish courses. Like a lot of people don't finish them because they're so long. And like, they just need the basic information. And that's why my classes are really like centered around like, what do you actually need to know? And can you learn it in an hour?
0: Mm. So that's
1: like, that's kind of like my, my thought is like, I'm going to teach you like the essentials of, you know, you can get, you can get into the weeds if you want to, but I'm like, okay, say you're starting an Instagram and like, you have a business and you want to start an Instagram, like, what do you need to know? (laughs) And so I walk through all the things that you need to know. I I talk stories. I talk reels. I talk, um, IGTV. I talk all the things you need to know. And the class takes maybe like two to three hours max. And so it's like, I think, you know, I, and again, like, obviously I'm probably leaving some stuff out, but like, is it important (laughs) Mm-hmm. If, or is it more again just like other strategies that you can do i'm really just focused on what i found works best and can be more universal because that's the other thing too i struggle with is who is my audience for example my next workshop is on video editing and i'm a little nervous because i'm like i don't know what level people are at some people may have never opened iMovie before some people have already used it before and kind of a little bit know a little bit about it so it's like figuring out okay so if you do put on a workshop i think making it clear who your audience is is going to be really helpful for who how you're you know how you're marketing for the class works how your you know language works all that is, is really important to know
0: i would say this too when you think about the pricing now because you said ten dollars and then you said 15 and then you said 40 now mm-hmm. is there a cap to, i know people charge crazy master class for thousands but like yeah. something that is reasonable that you know if you do it today and people pay that 40 dollars they know that they're leaving with something or is it the hundred dollars that they'll pay for for a month? That's a challenge. Where do you actually price your points compared to the courses that you offer?
1: It's so hard. I don't, I, like, I'll be honest. I'm not a pricing expert. And I, I was charging $25 until recently. And what I real, and then I talked to someone, she's like, you're charging way too little. And I'm like, oh, so I've upped it to 40. And honestly, I've gotten more sales. Like I did not expect that to happen. I didn't expect that by upping the price, I would actually sell more. And I think it's because people value it more. And so I was sh- I was actually shocked that I sold as many as I did when I upped the price. And now I'm like, I'm never going back down. Like, I feel like I'm probably gonna move it up again. Maybe I'll go to 50, but it's like, I think it's up to the value of the person, right? If somebody looks at that price, and they're like, I'm not paying $40, that's their prerogative. But the Mm. next person's going to be like, oh my gosh, that's a steal. (laughs) You know, so it's like you can't put the price of what you offer in somebody else's head. Yeah. It's what you think. And and again, it is like, obviously, if I charge $200 for an hour-long class, like, I don't think that would be okay because it's like, I just don't think that anyone would pay for that. So you kind of do have to go based off of, all right, how many people bought it? Um, If you want more people, yes, you probably could charge a little bit less and get more. But... For me, I want quality people that are willing to pay, right? So it's like, it's all about like your goals and just figuring out. So for me, I still want it to be affordable. That was always my goal. Like one of my goals in general is like, I want people to be able to afford it. Um, And I will just spend more time trying to get more people so that the, so that the, you know, the money comes in more. So it's like, I'll spend the time marketing it. I'll keep it at this somewhat affordable price and hopefully get as many people as I can. Because if you think about it, video is freaking expensive so like if you can learn how to do it yourself you save a ton of money so it's like you're actually saving money by paying 40 dollars. that's kind of what I say in my head you know so it's like Uh. figuring out like you have to justify in your head the mindset and that is something I have had to overcome over the years is like you're actually doing someone a service (laughs) by having this you know thing that you're offering and it's like the money Is just part of it, you know? So it's like, it's all about mindset. And I I definitely have had struggles. So I'm not going to say I'm like, oh yeah. Because like uh, the next person might pay $100. So I'm I'm still trying to figure out my own value.
0: Wow. I really love the fact that you have been able to literally give us a timeline or a, a stretch of pricing. Because now it makes a lot of sense because... I've done it in a way that... And I didn't even use um, Facebook or any funneling. I, I did that later. Mm. But I, first of all, when I wanted to do this workshops or this webinars, I first started using Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. And on Eventbrite, you, especially if you know your keyword strategy you can get the right tags and the right audiences because that's like free search, pretty much. <laughs> but I've never I've never charged... Uh, the only thing I charged for was a fashion show which didn't happen because of COVID, but that's going to come back again soon. But the actual courses that I wanted to teach specifically, I got like almost 20 in, um, sign-ups, but I did not charge any of them. But I realized, one... It, when they when they sign up and they don't get my emails, it goes to spam. I've lost a connection. That's a big bounce rate. But now if they've paid for it, they're going to look for me and they'll be like, where can I find this guy to let him know that I signed up? So when you think about the mindset and how you're putting it out there, is this something that should be practiced or tested through, especially when you can prove your concept? Or is this something that just literally takes its own form whenever you're ready to, to start a course
1: so my i do it differently than maybe some people but what i've done is i built my audience first and then i provide them the resources so instead of using the resources as a legion i'm only sending it to my audience so it's like yes yeah, some people can find it but it's gonna be on my website. So it's like, if, if people are looking for it, and again, it's only available for a month. I only do, I only promote it about a month out. And so for me, I have my email list, I have my Instagram followers, I have my Facebook group, and that's where I share it, and that's where majority of my signups come from. Um, some of them, I haven't had their email yet, so that's great once I get their email. Um, and because I'm not using Eventbrite, it just goes into my CRM system. Mm. So I already have their email. I know with Eventbrite, you have to like, they basically are like, please don't put all these emails in your system. But what I do when I was using Eventbrite, because I also used Eventbrite up until a couple months ago, I've used it for years. It's a great system, but you also have to pay additional, you know, <laughs> fees and stuff. But I think with with me, what I've learned is that I value the individual leads more than um just getting the numbers right because it's like if one person is willing to pay they're probably more willing to be a potential future customer Mm. so i'm really focused more quality versus quantity in that situation um and so for me i have recently switched to this great software called fg funnels which i'm obsessed with Um, it's definitely not cheap, but it's super valuable because it has my email marketing. It has my sales funnels. It has my classes. It has everything that I need. It has websites. It has my CRM. Um, every single thing that I've used, I, I had, I got rid of like three different softwares because I'm now using this one. So it's like, for me having it all in one place to be able to track people, tag them, start them on email funnels. Like it's all like so helpful for me to be able to be like, all right, This huge list, but maybe only a hundred other people are actually potential people that are interested. So it's like figuring out, okay, of those people, like so for your free class, you said you had twenty people sign up. How many actually come, right? Because if it's free, usually there's about a fifty percent drop off rate. Right. I've I've always seen that, and usually when it's paid, it's about a twenty five percent drop off rate. Mm. So basically, you'll you'll get about seventy five percent of the people that sign up. Versus if it's free, it's only about 50. So it's like, it's, I don't know. I've learned all this over the years nice. all these events that I've
0: done. I love that percentage quality. And if you think about the conversion rate being at 30, you have a better margin when you're dealing with a 75% margin than dealing with a 50% margin. So it mm-hmm. definitely adds a lot of value because that's where the high tickets come in. That's where the private coaching comes in. Mm-hmm. And most people don't realize that those things actually help. But some people too, from Instagram, from the DM, you send them a link and there's a payment there and they don't want to pay because they don't know if it's valuable to them. So is it the free onboarding call that leads to the one on one paid strategy or do you like still keep that resource platform as a model?
1: Yeah. So I usually start people with the free class, the free webinar. I call it a masterclass and then I get their email. Um, I have, like, a link to sign up for a free call. If they reach out to me and they're like, hey, I want to, like, learn more about your coaching, I do send them that free call. And I recently took a class called Proposal Secrets. And what I loved about it was they say, always start with a free call, have it be about 15 minutes. and Because you're right, no one's going to sign up with the stranger and pay them off the bat. Right. I do have – like, I've taken that option off my website because I'm like, I still list the pricing of – um, I do like a two hour business intensive, which is like the first thing that you'll do with me. And then from there, I'll do a custom coaching package is kind of how I do it. Because I think what I've learned from that class is like everyone has a different need. Everyone has a different amount of time it will take for them to get to whatever their goals are. So having specific packages doesn't always work. It's it's a little bit too um, cut and dry. And I think that sometimes people need less time. Some people need more. So having kind of a standard one package to kind of get people started is what I have learned and I'm now doing. Um, and, but then I also have an option where if they just want me for an hour, that's another option is just, if they want me like, for example, today, I actually have someone who signed up for an hour just for me to teach them final cut for an hour. (laughs) So like people pay, you know, so it's like people pay to just do more of a tutorial, which I'm totally fine with doing because I love teaching um, tech as well. So I think for me, what I've learned is that, you know, there was a while where I was considering taking off the free call, but what I realized is that they convert so much better than just listing your coaching on your website, which I just don't think works very much, especially these days when there's so much competition and there's, you know, so it's like, I actually had a call with someone scheduled and then she had called and she had talked to another Instagram person or something before and she messaged me and she's like, hey, like I really vibed with this person, so I'm gonna go with them. And I hadn't even talked to her yet. So it's like, that was how competitive it can be sometimes is like, if they're looking for a specific thing, For me, what's nice is I'm one of the only people in my area that does what I do. So I don't have a lot of competition. Mm. Um, But when it comes to the greater internet, yes, I obviously do. There's a lot of other people that do marketing coaching. But when it comes to my local area, I feel like I've made it so that I'm the person people go to. Like I've I've really spent years building up my local audience so that it's like people trust me and know my name. And that's kind of been really helpful for me over the years.
0: Now, tell me more about that because I'm really interested to know, you know, we all have different coaches especially on clubhouse everybody's everywhere and sometimes people gravitate more to people who are within their city so when you think about the time you've spent online organically and from a local perspective what have you taken into consideration that has helped you gain this status that now you're the number one go-to person mm-hmm. in your city
1: i think the thing about you know so i live in minneapolis which is you know and we're in the midwest which uh it's kind of delayed when it comes to, uh, just trends. It's very, there are a lot of small towns here. And I just think that there's a lot of people that are just not tech savvy. (laughs) There's a lot of people that just haven't gotten into the world of online marketing. And so for me, what I've really put out is like, everything was local themed. People in Minnesota are very, uh, Uh, they love Minnesota. So like every time I posted about that, people would then maybe start following me on my Instagram. And then I would start promoting, it would be basically a huge sales funnel to me. Um, And that's how I've always run my business um, is I'm going to talk about local stuff, but let's actually talk about small businesses locally too. So it's like, it's kind of like a slide into now I have this new sort of offshoot called collective social media, which is mostly I would say most people that follow that are local, but now I'm available to anyone, but, but you're right. And the past year has been hard because I haven't been able to see anyone locally. And so I have been kind of expanding out beyond my, my local community because I'm like, I can, I can go on zoom. I can do all these things I wasn't able to before, but I think the core of what my brand will always be is my local community. And there's a lot of need. I mean, obviously there's really not a lot of competition for myself. So being able to be, I think finding a niche where you are, there's not a lot of competition is your best bet. So like for you, Pinterest, I think is a good niche because I don't think there's that many Pinterest people. So it's like being, and then maybe in your local area, maybe there's none, you know? So it's like figuring out like if somebody locally, so for you, like once COVID is really over, I think you should start doing local Pinterest workshops, that you can actually have people come to and then charge for them. Mm. I think that, I mean, honestly, I think that's what you should do because I just, you, you might've done some research, seeing if there's other Pinterest people, but maybe they're not doing workshops, you know? Maybe they're a Pinterest manager, but they're not actually teaching Pinterest. So right. it's like, I think finding where you become in your area, the local Pinterest expert, I think it's gonna really benefit you because then once everyone knows who you are, they start referring you. Or that, Like, for me, I know people in my community that, that do certain things. There's this one woman who is a lawyer, and she's a lawyer for creatives. So anytime someone's like, do you know a lawyer? I send people to her because I'm like, she gets small businesses. She gets creative people. She gets it, and, like, not a lot of lawyers do. Mm-hmm. And she has an Instagram, and she is, like, up-to-date on everything. So it's, like, figuring out your niche and then your specialty within and then your location. I think it's really important because, like, I got uh, – a speaking gig earlier this year in like a super 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 small town in northern minnesota because people had heard of me on linkedin and so like people like it was again word of mouth but because people knew me as local they hired me versus an expert from california right so it's right. like i think it's like figuring out uh, networking i mean networking is huge I, I, clubhouse is great for that linkedin is great for that i think it's just like getting your name out there posting content that shows your face i was at target last week Uh, it's literally just happened. I was at Target last week. I I was putting on my mask to go into the store and this woman just stares at me really weird. (laughs) And then I was like, why is she looking at me? And then I get a message on LinkedIn the next day. She, and it was somebody I had been connected with on LinkedIn and she's like, was that you at Target?
0: So like people
1: recognize you from LinkedIn because I post videos on there all the time. So it's like, and then we ended up having coffee because we found out we lived in the same area of town. So it's like, I think that there is so much to building your personal brand in a way that you become that go-to person. And I think that that is the biggest way to make a difference in your small business.
0: Wow. That's a mic drop right there. (laughs) You definitely hit the nail on the head because now it makes total sense when you are being practical with what you preach and what you're actually teaching to people. Cause sometimes you may be all over the place because everybody's doing something you want to join the trend. And yet, you can become the trend everybody's following. But people don't want to be that because there's this imposter syndrome. There's this thing of, oh, I, I don't know if people like me. I need to get my makeup done. Uh-huh. I need to look right. I'm I'm not, I haven't gone to the gym. Like so many excuses fall in and you forget that the people don't even care about that. They care about what you say.
1: I I mean, for me, like I've learned that I... You're right, the whole thing. It's like, there's times where I'm like, yes, I need to look nice, but at the same time, I think COVID has allowed us to be like, hey, I'm at home, <laughs> like, we're all at home. We're all at home, we're all like in pajamas, probably most days. I don't know, like, I just feel like, I think, I just did headshots recently, and what I, what I kept saying was, I was like, I don't want to wear like a blazer or something super nice, because that's not what I wear. Yeah. I want to wear something that I actually wear every day so that it's more authentic. And I just think that sometimes when you see people wearing suits in, like, headshots, I'm like, do you actually wear that? Like, (laughs) you probably just wore it for that photo. Right. I'm all about casual. Like, I mean, I'm literally wearing, like, a jean jacket. Like, this is just, like, what I wear every day. It's professional. It's not like I'm wearing, like, I don't know, like a crop top or something. But, like, I think, like, being able to be yourself and yet, you know, being professional, but being more you, I think, it, especially on like stories and all these different platforms where people just want to hear from you. They want to see your face. I mean, yesterday I posted on my Instagram about um, I just got an air fryer and like I got multiple messages being like, oh, can you tell us more about that? It's like <laughs> doesn't have to do with business, but I'm like, oh, people are interested in something that's happening in my life. Right. So like, I think you're building that um, almost like a friendship with people, you know?
0: Exactly. And I feel like when people feel like they're actually appreciated and you can connect with them, it's it's so much better, which is why even in this workshop, I want to do less of keynote presentation and more of connecting. And because it's also within the club, I want people to actually connect with each other and have five minutes to say, hey, this is my name. This is what I do. This is my Pinterest account. And I'm glad to meet you guys. So. If I'm thinking about them connecting, you never know what they're going to do tomorrow. And like, because I was in this room, I was able to meet this person because it was hosted by this person. So those are the stories as a brand you'd want to hear rather than, oh, yeah, I I made a million dollars in two days. Like everybody likes to hear those stories. But realistically speaking, nobody cares, (laughs) you know, really
1: yeah and i feel like a lot of that too is people are seeing through the sales like i feel like sales works differently than it used to and i think people that are stuck in the old ways are not doing well they don't know why and i think it's because people are pickier about who they give their money to i think people have are bombarded like i mentioned with 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 ads and i think when they feel that connection when they look you know there's a whole i don't know if you've read anything by donald miller the whole building a story brand concept which is you know be the guy not the hero you're like there's a guy in minnesota (laughs) who if anyone in minnesota is listening to this podcast who basically is on every single billboard and he's a realtor and he has his arms stretched out like he's jesus and like that's that's the posters of him and like everyone knows who he is because it's on every single billboard and I'm like, but I don't know anyone who's actually used him as a realtor. He's just become kind of like, everyone knows who he is. So it's like the branding works, <laughs> but he's in a positive way, right? Because it's like, or is it just annoying at this point? Like right. you just see him everywhere. So it's like, yes, there is the point of like, there is brand awareness, but whether it's a good thing or not, I don't know. Like it does, does it? I'm sure he probably gets sales from it. Otherwise he wouldn't be able to keep affording these billboards, but. At the same time, people my age or younger, we look to social media. We look to the people that we know. We know, you know, it's like, I was just reading this whole thing yesterday about overwhelmed when it comes to choices. Like we are overwhelmed with the amount of choices and sometimes it's easier to just pick something or pick a person and then them telling you what to do and you go with that mm. because there's too many things, right? There's too many social media platforms. There's too many accounts to follow. It's like, you're so overwhelmed And I think that leads to a burnout that leads to mental, (laughs) mental issues. Like I feel like for me, I have ADHD. So my brain's constantly going everywhere. So for me to be able to like focus and like pick something and even niche down has been really helpful to be like, I'm a social media person in Minnesota. That's like my, it's my circle. And I think that for a lot of people they don't realize how many choices they have like can be overwhelming and, and too
0: much exactly and even before we go into the amazing conversation of notion which i definitely wanted to get into <laughs> yes um i would say this for 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 packages is it better to offer like three-tier packages just like people who have pricing on their softwares online or is it to have that one thing that they'll choose because sometimes mm-hmm. people say oh i can't afford this but i can afford this and it's like a Premium plan kind of thing. So, how do you play that role when it comes to packaging your pricing?
1: Well, so that's kind of what I mentioned about the having the one business intensive and then kind of customizing it. So it's like once they're in, I have a okay. So I'll give you an example. So I have a friend. I actually work for him. Uh, sort of, I do his marketing, and he does audiobook recordings and editings. So it's kind of a niche because like not everyone has an audiobook, but the people that do need audiobooks, like it has to like audible has very very specific requirements when it comes to how the the sound is edited how the audio is edited it's different than podcasting podcasting it can sound like anything but when you work with like audible it has to be a certain level of sound it has to be a certain caliber of sound so what he does is he does that but he can't price out an audiobook until he does a demo session Mm. And so what he does is he charges the same price for the demo section. And then from that, he's able to have a custom proposal based off of how long they believe it'll take to record and edit. Cause it depends on the speed of the reader, the length of the book, how much, you know, so it's like all of these factors. He couldn't just have a set price because some books he'd make a lot and some he'd lose a lot. Right. So it's like for him, what he's learned is that every single thing is custom. So sometimes it does make sense to do more custom stuff. If it's a bigger project, because here's the thing, there's no one size fits all. So I think if if there's a set amount of hours, and yes, like say you have a 10 hour package, then that's fine, post that. But I do think that some people are going to be like, price shopping. Or something you know so it's like it's like all about the value versus the actual cost i think that's the other thing too it's like i know some people who talk about value-based pricing versus hourly pricing Mm. where they price the project and not how many hours it takes and the and the price per hour i i'm not again an expert on this but there are so many different ways and i wish there were more books and resources on pricing because i think it is by far one of the hardest things about running a business is pricing because you like it's like You just have to sometimes like guess and be like all right i'm gonna put this price out see if there's any bites i do think that there is like more math to it and like figuring that stuff out but i wouldn't say i'm an expert and it's still something i'm working on so i i know that there are lots of different ways to do it but i think again like what i mentioned before too many options can sometimes limit people and i think by having too many like all the cart stuff can be like oh my god do i need that should i have that i think you're you're supposed to be the expert so you're telling the they need versus them. All right. I think I want that. I think I want that too. I don't know. Maybe I'll go to somebody else for this. Like, I just think like sometimes it almost like ruins the experience for the client.
0: Yeah. And you've just given me an an amazing idea whereby I can be able to, and this is what I've been doing, but now it makes more sense where you're able to give the client all those three options, but at the end have a PS or have a, a, a recommendation and say that, Hey, this is what we have, but this is what you need because yeah. what you need is different from what somebody else would need. So it kind of makes them realize, Oh, okay. I see why they're saying I need this. So it cuts out the other two without them thinking about the price and not thinking about what I'm actually getting back.
1: Yes. Cause people like custom stuff. They like thinking that you did this for them versus just being like, Oh, this is what we have for everyone. You know? So it's like, I think that's the thing is like people want to feel like they're special. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And, um, I think that being able to have everything listed is really important too. So like having your website do like, you obviously know this with SEO, like having all the copy if they want it, but again, you don't want to overwhelm people. I think that's the thing I've learned over time is I can be an overwhelming person. Like as a person, people sometimes are like, Oh my gosh, you're a lot, (laughs) but that's because that's just my personality. And it's also my ADHD. but like, I'm like, cool. Not everyone loves overwhelming people. Sometimes people just like quiet, people that don't say much i'm not that person and you might not vibe with me and that's okay and i think that that's something that but the people that i do find that like my energy that's who i'm gonna hang out with you
0: know exactly i love that because that actually weeds out the people that you don't want to work with Mm -hmm. and it gives you less less time to focus on those people that are actually stressing you out because there's this notion that says that speaking of notion that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that the the people who pay less as far as clients literally stress you out more than the people who actually pay you more. I don't know why that's yes. true.
1: No, it's true. And that's why I never give family discounts, right? Never give friends and family discounts. I learned that filming weddings, because I actually I, I, I don't know if I should say this, but I I filmed a wedding for a family member, I'll just say that. And they I didn't even really get a thank you. I didn't get paid. Like I literally this is when I was first starting my wedding video. I didn't get a thank you. Wow. Like I didn't, like I, I spent the full day with them recording, never got, never heard from them after I posted it. Like, I just feel like they valued it so much less because they didn't pay for it. And so I, I learned that like, if people pay more, like they have a higher expectation. And if you hit that, they're like, great. You know? So it's like, I think, again, it all comes down to mindset around like what your value is. And I think if you undervalue yourself, other people will too.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. That's a great point you mentioned. I love the the transition on why people should think about themselves first and what they're offering before they actually get into people's wallets or even people's minds to actually ask them for things that you never know. I may need it. You may need it. But until we get there is when we're going to find out. And I think that's where most people don't really take that time to practice that patience. So it makes a lot of sense. I would say this, too. Notion. I've been using this since we last spoke and it's changed my life completely. And at the same time, I'm still confused. (laughs) Don't,
1: don't worry because I was too. And I had to watch a lot of videos. So, I mean, maybe after this call, I can show you a few things, but like, I mean, What I love is I've tried for years to find the best project management system. I've learned that my brain, you know, the ADHD, I've learned my brain works differently than most people. One of the things I love to do is I just love to have lists of things, um, archives. I love to just have all of the things that I know in one place. And that's why I love Notion is it's not just like a task oriented thing, which I think most of them are. ClickUp is more task oriented. It's not really so much like an archive. Like I struggled with like just having a lot of content on, on ClickUp that wasn't like just task-based. And that's what I like about Notion is it's it's a both task-based and archive and, and basically it's a Wikipedia for yourself is what most people call it. They call mm. it like a wiki for yourself. So if you had to build a Wikipedia of your life, that's what that's what Notion can be for. And so basically, I, I guess, I don't know if I should describe it. it it's, hard, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically it's like a blank slot that has a ton of different options. You can build tables, calendars, uh, Kanban boards. Uh, you can also do anything from notes. Each individual thing then becomes its own page. Mm. So you can add dropdowns, you can add table content, you can, add, uh, you can embed things like Google Drive documents, YouTube videos, PDFs. So you can kind of build like a database for yourself of your own content. I use it also to plan content for my social media. I use it to plan content for my academy. I also use it in my day-to-day with my uh, meal planning, with my outfit guide. So I've taken pictures of all the clothes that I've worn wow. so I can track that. I have. Uh, I started doing a brand asset of my office. So I have all the different products in my office just on this board so I can like see all the things that I own. So if I ever wanted to move, I'm like, okay, I know all the things I have. So for me, I like to be able to just have everything in one place that allows me to be able to organize my thoughts. And for example, one of the things I'm doing right now is every time I read a book, that's where my book notes go. And I have a folder just for books. So If I'm reading a book, I like add all the different chapters and add any quotes that I like or any notes. So, cause here's the thing, I read a book and I forget everything, right? right. <laughs> I don't write it down. If I don't highlight, I'll like, I, I'm literally, there's a book called, um, Uh, You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. It's a great book. I read it like two or three years ago and I realized I don't remember a single thing about it. I know I liked it. (laughs) I know it had a lot of great tips, but I'm like, I couldn't tell you a single thing she said. Wow. Um, So I'm like, I'm going to probably reread it and and take notes this time because it's such a good book that I'm like, once I write it down, right? You remember what you write. So it's like for me, having notes, looking at them, being able to organize my life, on this platform has been super helpful. So I'm curious what you've you've set up so far for,
0: for yours. For me it's been amazing. The platform has been really good because one of the things I'm actually doing with it is um <laughs> it's amazing that we're talking about Notion now that I've I literally divided it. I, I use it for my clients. I've been able to really like do a task management process, see exactly what it's gonna be doing for my business and how it's gonna to apply to my social learning and how I'm able to apply this back to the system where I'm actually connecting from. And it's been good. I even ended up taking my time. I think I spent about an hour and a half just creating another complete board that I can be able to have my, the wedding list and just do wedding plans. And it's it's really good. I love the emojis, how it just like humanizes everything. And yeah, I don't know. I've not gone too far, but I'm a techie guy. So I know when I go deep, it will be really like rabbit hole tile.
1: Oh yeah. And I, I think I sent you some videos and some stuff, yeah. but I think <laughs> those are helpful for me. Cause you're right. I remember I was scared to use notion because I was overwhelmed by it. It's a very, it's, it, it has so many features, but once you get them down, once you kind of master it, it's like second nature, right? It's like, okay, right now I'm going to make a table. I'm going to put it here. I think it's a very creative platform too. Cause you can kind of move things around. You can, you know, be like, what else can I do on here? It's very much for the creatives as well as more of the tech people. Oh yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of a great platform for both. And I, I see a lot of students using it on YouTube for like taking notes for class. So, like, there's a lot of different, you know, uh, uses for it. But for me, I use it more for business and personal. I use it for content planning. I use it for, like you mentioned with your clients. I now have every time I have a new client, I create a page for them. I put, I embed their Zoom call from Google Drive that I upload, and then I also add any notes from our session, and then I send it to them. You can mm. send individual pages to people, so that's what I started doing. I've also started, um, you know looking back at my old clients and like, you know, listing those out. Cause one thing I've realized is I've never listed out all the different types of clients I've had. And cause I have had so many. So I'm like, all right, I need to kind of go through and like, be like, all right, I've had photographers. I've had, you know, wedding planners, I've had uh chiropractor, you know? So it's like, I need to start making a list of all the different types of clients I have. So if somebody comes to me, they can like look at a list and be like, Oh wow. She's worked with a lot of different types of businesses, including my type. So it's like, I think being able to like, audit yourself and kind of go through your old stuff and just you know one one thing i've also added is like i have a brand asset guide so i have all of my brand colors on a folder so if i've ever like what's what color is mine i have my little hex code you know so it's like everything sorry i'm like getting all nerdy but like there's so many things you can do with it so if you're looking for like a project management system notion is my favorite i've tried them all this one fits my brain the best. I've used Airtable, I've used ClickUp, I've used Trello, I've used Asana, <laughs> I've used them all. And this is the one that I, as of now, is my favorite.
0: Oh yeah, I would definitely say Notion is number one too for me because even the way they have their platform is so different. And something I noticed, I don't know if you've noticed too, but when I downloaded the app and then I get the like, update from Clubhouse, for example, they asked me if I want to open the show notes on Notion. So it really Oh, I've
1: never done that before. Oh, that's cool. Yeah,
0: so I was like, maybe they use Notion too as an embedded API.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, actually, they don't have an API yet. It's currently in private beta. So their API is launching this spring. And so when that happens, I'm so excited because all of these apps are now going to be integrated with Notion um and so i'm super excited so I, I i can't wait for that to happen they're currently in beta so i'm not sure if you somehow got signed up for the beta maybe because you just signed up for for notion recently i'm not sure how
0: yeah i excited. don't know how, how do you how do you get into the beta program
1: i applied i don't know i think they're just putting developers in it right now um but yeah if you just search notion private beta um you can like apply to join the wait list and i, I think what they're going to do is they're just going to open the api to everyone i don't need, I don't do APIs, but I'm excited for the apps that I do use to be able to build an API for their app to be able to be used in, like, I would love for there to be like a zoom notion link, you know, I'd love for there to be a Gmail notion link. Like, so every time I get a Gmail, it would go into Notion, I could like move it into the different, fo- you know what I'm saying? So like, right. I feel like there, there could be a lot of potential with all of the other platforms that I use. I wish there was more links between Notion and like Instagram, you know, like, or whatever. So it's like figuring out um, how Notion can work or like Canva, you know, like, so I just like, there's so many potential for it. And I do think it's growing in popularity. Like, I do think I've seen more content also because I like am paying attention to it now, but I do think that it is growing in terms of Number of users in the last year.
0: Okay, definitely. I think most people don't even know about it. I got to learn it from you. I know,
1: I know, and I did. I only saw it on YouTube because there's this one YouTuber that I follow who kept talking about it, and I'm like, what is this? And so I, I'm now like a, a evangelist of it. <laughs> so I've definitely been telling a lot of people about it because, and that's why, and that's actually my next thing is I'm going to be making YouTube content around Notion. I've done a couple of videos already, but my goal is to have notion be a part of a lot of my content because what I'm realizing you're right people are like what is notion I'm like oh there's so much to say how do I make content around that it's also very hard to do podcasts around notion because it's such a visual platform that it's very hard to explain so that is one thing I've learned is like this has to be a youtube thing or it has to be a and reels is too short to explain Or TikTok, like I have to do YouTube. It's just, it's the best platform for it. So, I mean, I think once you have really, really figured it out, that's another thing you could do as a topic for how you use it with Pinterest or what, you know, so like there's all these things that you can use it for.
0: Exactly. And I think also what I may be able to do is integrate that to the courses that I practice with and give people Mm -hmm. as Pinterest marketing or even branding, and then use Notion to help them also create that design and content strategy so that they can right. actually see a what I'm doing. A you
1: can give them a free template.
0: Right. You know? Exactly. Because you can
1: make templates. You can make templates. You can sell templates. I bought a template on Etsy for $5. Oh. Because I was like, yeah. So, like, it's another way that you can actually make money is if you make a really, really nice template. I bought it because I just wanted to see what it was like to buy a template. I, that was honestly the reason I bought it. I was like, oh, like, you can buy Notion templates. Let's see how that goes. And I did. It was a good template, but I'm like, I... I definitely need to figure this out because sometimes people give theirs away for free and sometimes, again, charge for it. So it's like figuring out, like, okay, I need to figure this out for myself. Is it better to give them the template and then, you know, they have to sign up for an email in order to get it, right? That's what a lot of people do is they have you sign up for their email list and they'll send you the template. Right. Or is it better to sell it or is it better to just give it away for free on my YouTube? Like, I think it's all... There's so many different ways to go about it. And I think it's like, for me, I'm, I'm still in the newbie phase of it. I've only been using it for less than two months. So for me, I'm still learning everything. And I think I'll become a master of it pretty quickly because I use it a lot. Um, but it's like figuring out, okay, well, I need to make it look aesthetically nice in order to do a template. So it's like all these things are still learning um, in that
0: process. Exactly. Okay. I'm definitely looking out for that and I'm excited to see how Notion works. I can't wait to mm-hmm. see your videos on YouTube because if I'm writing blogs about it, I'll definitely use your blogs as backlinks to make sure yeah. that, you I know. That. Yeah. yeah, I love
1: that. I just recorded one last weekend. It was like a 25-minute walk through my entire Notion, which is so funny because like, already since then i've changed it so it's like (laughs) nothing stays the same forever but yeah it took me a while to edit that one um but yeah so that's available on my youtube
0: channel right now so okay most definitely thank you so much i really appreciate it i know people are trying to figure out okay how do i get a hold of jenna now like where do i see her where do i find her are you able to let us know where people can be able to reach out to you yeah
1: so um you can go Instagram at Jenna Redfield is probably the best way. Um, I also have a couple, I have like multiple websites. If you go to collectivesocialmedia.com, that also has information about my coaching. I have a podcast that comes out every week called the Collective Marketing Podcast and uh, Faber was on it last week, or I guess it's the past week. I don't know when this is coming out. Um, And then that is just marketing information, marketing interviews, marketing content. I also have an academy. So collectivemarketingacademy.com. Um, that's probably the main places. Also, I'm on TikTok. So if you like TikTok, <laughs> I try to post on there every other day, maybe. Um, it's kind of TikTok is a, is an interesting platform. Um it I is. could get into that too, but it's just it. I like it a lot, but it's it's it. Like, there's times where you can do really well, and then there's times where like you're just not. Not getting many views. it's like figuring out, okay, well, what do people want? That's, that's a whole other thing, uh, figuring out content ideas is a, It's a whole platform that you have to figure
0: out. Exactly. Wow. Thank you so much, Jenna. I really appreciate you for being here today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Anytime. I'll definitely catch you soon on the other side of Clubhouse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds good.
0: Awesome.